All right, Neil, I wanted to start this episode tonight with a, with a little hypothetical situation. And you and I have talked about it a lot. But you're walking down the street and someone comes up who's clearly homeless and they're looking at you. And you have to make that split second decision about whether or not you're going to give them a dollar or buy them a meal or put your head down and walk on by. I've been there. All right. So um, that's attention. I mean, it's always attention for me. And um, what I'm excited about tonight is that we have someone that's a guest with us uh, that is going to help us address this this topic. So what is the tension we're talking about? I think the tension really, and we've talked about it a little bit, is um, love. You know, we're called to love our neighbor um, as ourself. And so, you know, I think that's that's the tension there. If you boil it down is, are we going to love this individual the way that we would love ourselves? So tension between loving others and loving self. Uh, yeah. I, so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited, too. We have Reiner Bantow on who what's cool is that little exchange you talked about is like maybe a minute in our day every once in a while, every like however it doesn't happen too often. Right. But. Uh, Reiner lives this um, as as part of a, a group called Our Calling in Dallas, Texas. So, Reiner, welcome to the the show, and and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Neil. Hey, Rob. Glad that I'm here today uh, with you. Uh, my name is Reiner Bantow. I'm the senior operations manager for a ministry called Our Calling. Uh, we help people experiencing homelessness in the Dallas area. We ask really two questions. Will you trust in Jesus and how can we help you get off the street? And we ask those questions repeatedly every day. So what, Reiner, just to cut to the chase, why do you think people should care about this tension? Like, what, I, I think you have some interesting insights on this, but why why should someone listen to loving self versus loving others? Well, I, I think in order to have a healthy relationship with God, to love God with our everything, right? I think we have to have that piece right in order to get that loving your neighbor as yourself right and then loving ourselves and i think jesus just kind of assumes we're going to love ourselves i don't know that that's true right i i don't i haven't personally found that to be true i don't i don't always wake up and like the guy i see in the mirror and then if i see somebody else struggling it's difficult maybe that day in that moment to love them as i think jesus would love me all right, well, let's get into this because I'm it. excited to, to, to hear what, what else Reiner has to say. You ready, Reiner? Sure, let's go. Welcome to a World Intention podcast, a place where we examine the opposing pulls and struggles of life to uncover clarity, purpose, and practical solutions. Come join us as we seek to get comfortable facing the uncomfortable. This is a world intention. So, Reiner, talk to us a little bit more about our calling. It sounds like an amazing organization. So, we're a, a homeless ministry founded by Wayne and Carolyn Walker in 2009. Uh, I've been on staff there almost three years. Uh, under our mission, we want to glorify God by doing what we said we're going to do with excellence. And then we practice the three C's, our core values, care with dignity, connect with intentionality, and building a community with integrity. And that's really how we work in the uh, Dallas homeless area. 
Uh, homelessness here is growing at like epidemic proportions. It's growing faster than anywhere else in the South. So uh, it's this story that you were sharing, that that hypothetical that you were sharing hits home for me. Um, even though that I'm, I'm involved in, in loving my neighbor every day or trying to love homeless folks every day, it's a struggle, right? It's, it's, it's a struggle to love people. Um, and then it's hard to love people um, when at times they're not as lovable as you would like them to be or expect them to be. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's interesting to me, you know, that you were interested in coming on a podcast about tension um, and that your tension was about, you know, how well you love this population. And and this is, you know, your, your, your profession. Um, so, I mean, it, it, I think it gets to the heart of the fact that this is a, this is a difficult thing that Jesus has asked us to do. It's certainly not easy. I, the example that uh, you were given, that hypothetical, actually occurred, happened to me the other day. Uh, yesterday, we're headed to a ball game, and I went to get uh, fuel for my truck before I picked everybody up. And I'm at the gas station, I'm pumping gas, and I look over at the front of the uh, gas station that I'm at, and I see a guy, and, and I immediately know. I'm, I'm like, oh, here's, here's one of the people that God has called me to serve, right? He's not one of our, our guests. It's not a regular that comes to our calling, uh, but I, you just know, I, I just know. And as I'm filling up, I'm thinking through this whole process. Of, I'm thinking through the conversation. How's it going to go? What's he get? What's going to be the ask? And I'm realizing that I don't have a whole lot of time and I've got a plan for the day. And I'm an operations guy. The train runs on time, right? So um, we're going to get to the ball game when we said we get to the ball game. And so I get done filling up my truck. I walk into the gas station to get a couple of uh, bottles of water and uh, get some other things for our trip. And as I'm walking out, this older man says to me, you have some change? To which I just, without hesitation, respond, I don't carry any cash. Sorry. And I walk to my truck, I get in my truck and I drive off and I'm left with that question of, wow, how did I love my neighbor? Did I, did I love my neighbor? Well, in that moment, could there have been something else I, I, I could have done, should have done, would have, right. It's all of these would have ifs. We talk about the greatest commandment and we, on, in, in Matthew 22, 36 to 39, you know, there, there's the two parts. You shall love love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So it's like that vertical connection with God. And then this is the great first, first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I'll, I'll be honest, that it's just like, yeah, love God and love others, right? But there's a lot more nuance in that second part, which is saying love your neighbor as yourself. So the tension is like... Your example, you had this choice between loving that guy and you knew who he was. You work in this business, you spotted him, but then you chose yourself and that's what you're wrestling with, right? And so um, just talk a little bit about kind of what you, what you see in, in this tension and, and just what you've been kind of grappling with. We walk this fine line every day, I, I think, in, in ministering to the homeless between loving our neighbor as ourselves, right? 
and at the same time being okay loving ourselves having these boundaries and having the this this layer of accountability and these these um, expectations of behavior i can give you a cup of coffee and you love me right it's all good we're best of friends and then half an hour later maybe we have another interaction and i don't give you what you want and you throw a fit and you have this profanity uh, lace tirade, tirade that uh, just basically verbally assaults me in every way possible. I'm still supposed to love you, right? I'm still trying to care with, with dignity for you. I'm still trying to connect with you intentionally. I'm still trying to build a community with integrity, even though you're being a jack wagon at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Right? How do I do that? And, and really turn into the Lord and say, Lord, this is impossible. I, how do I do this? Right? How do I love people as I love myself when they're being unlovable? And don't they see that I'm here to help them? I'm here to minister to them. Don't they get it? Right? And then having to put myself in their shoes and thinking, well, how would Reiner be if he didn't have his cup of coffee and he hadn't showered in seven days and he was still wearing the same clothes that he'd had on for two weeks and slept on the ground, tried to figure out how to manage to get through the night with his shoes on his feet? I think what's interesting about it is like, you know, this, this is clearly an external tension, right? Because it's always with someone else that we're encountering. And and as you're wrestling with trying to love others, they're usually wrestling with loving themselves enough. And so they're just pushing back on you um, and, and kind of so that that to me is interesting. Another interesting thing to me is like how we actually... I don't think it's almost like seems wrong to say I love myself. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but what does that mean? I like, and just to kind of tease that one a little bit is like, if we really love ourselves in terms of how God loves us, then, then dealing with that situation is easier because we start, it's not about our image or the good things we're doing where we want to pat ourselves on the back. It's saying I'm secure in Christ. I'm loved. And that's, that's loving self, not, not saying what a great guy you are. So, um, well, I mean, what, what are, what are some of your thoughts on, on that sort of inner interaction with other people and the the tension that you're feeling and they're feeling? Well, and I I think you're right. You, you, right. Is, is you have to be secure in Christ and loving yourself and realizing that's who your identity is in and where your strength and your ability to love others comes from. Because if it just rested on me, if it just depended, if my ability to love others was just dependent on me, I would fail miserably every day, right? Because I'm going to fall short. There's some day, some people I'm going to love better. And there's going to be a lot of people that I, I love worse than I should. I've got my own calendar. I've got my own schedule. I've got my own agenda for the day. I'm trying to get from point A to point B. I've got this to do, that to do. And then I think understanding that loving others, Jesus paints this great model for us through the Gospels, right? He he loves others exceptionally well and extremely well. Those that agree with him, those that don't agree with him, those that need him and that those that really don't think they have a need for him at all. But he also has this time where he pulls away where he refuels and replenishes. So he has some boundaries. 
And understanding that part of loving yourself means you have to have some boundaries and that you have to practice some self-care, that you have to spend some time with God and God's word so that you can go back into battle, right? If you're just in battle all the time, and it's very much, we're really at the heart of where spiritual battle is. I think in, in America, certainly, is, is this where have meets have not, where I have a house that I go to every day where I can take as many showers as I want, and I have a cl- closet full of clothes I can't possibly wear every day. And I'm looking at a face of somebody who is hurt, who's traumatized, who just needs to know that there's a God who loves them and somebody that cares enough to want to help them get off the street. I think that's interesting. I think there's a practical piece there that you're driving home. And that is it's okay to, to not help every single person that we encounter in this situation. We can treat them with dignity in not helping them. You can, I mean, you mentioned saying something to the effect of, I'm sorry, I don't have cash. You don't have to be rude in doing that, but that's a, that's a, that's a truth maybe. And so, and then at, at another time, maybe you can practically help, um, and you have more time and, and maybe that wasn't the right time. Um, you know, that day when you were on the, the way to the ball game, but maybe there is other times or lots of other times when it is the right time. And you have to give yourself permission to have those, those boundaries, as you mentioned, as Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rob, I, I think part of it is recognizing um, that I can give you a bottle of water. That's not going to change your life. No, I can, I can take you to Chick-fil-A or Mickey D's. I can buy you a meal. That's not going to change your life. What's going to change your life is for you to trust me enough to want to have life change, right? Because you've been lied to, you've had promise after promise broken and you don't trust people. And that takes time to build that relationship. There's a lot of baggage there that you're unpacking. So it's not really as simple as, hey, here's a dollar for a sandwich or here, let me go buy you a meal. We're not solving homelessness that way. And and we're also not under the illusion that we're going to solve homelessness. Well, and Reiner, one interesting thing we talk about on the show is like markers of things. I think we talked about a few like, and I've definitely felt this like, you, you help someone out and maybe it's even more than a one-time deal and there's expectations. There's, you expect, you know, them to change and quickly and like, uh, like this is what rational, reasonable people do and not considering the layers of hurt underneath them. But like what, you know, and I think fundamentally we talk about like when we start doing those sorts of things, we're trying to control the situation versus really, really surrendering ourselves to Christ. So I, since you've been doing this, you know, as your your profession and you you start peeling back the layers of the onion and probing in as you're you're trying to help people and they're spitting in your face or doing whatever, I think they've done worse than that to you. Um, <laughs> what what have you really learned about yourself and and your need to let go of control of things and and what to surrender? I've had to surrender uh, the expectation that the day is going to go according to my plan. 
And I have to make time for God and God moments and God movements. If I pack up my schedule and I account for every minute of the day, there's no room for God, right? There's no room for God to work. And then when I have an encounter with somebody, whether that's at work or at the gas station or coming out of the restaurant uh, that we go to every week, I've got to have some bandwidth, some extra time in there that allows me to slow down long enough to say, hey, God put this person in my path. Let me slow down long enough to let them know that they're seen, that they're valued, that they matter, and that they're loved. What transactions transpires really is secondary. It's really about how do I treat you? How do I see you? For a lot of our folks, they don't ever hear their name for up to three, four months at a time. So imagine you go through your life and uh, for two months or three months, nobody says Neil, nobody says Rob, nobody says Reiner, right? You don't hear your own name pronounced or said by, by another human being. Well, your name is who you are. Our names mean something. That's how we get our identity. And then making that eye contact and that smile, just stopping long enough to say, hey, how are you? How are you doing? To lean in, not to be in such a hurry. Right. The, the thing I could have done with the guy at the gas station the other day is stop long enough to have a five minute conversation. The world would not have ended. We would have made it to the game on time if I had only stopped to do that. I can do that. I, I may not. It may not be good for me to give you a dollar. It may not help you really for me to buy you a sandwich. As crazy as that may seem or sound, sometimes the best response is for me just to be a human being and love you in that moment. In surrendering to Christ, we're looking at them as, as more of a valuable person. You're, you're, you're suggesting to slow down, but what in that middle layer of like when you're battling between your heart and your, your thoughts, what are some of the arguments we could tell ourselves to dissuade us from, from stopping to do that? Because I think, I think we, we, we either get sometimes moved with compassion and it's kind of the wrong compassion, just throw them some money and it doesn't really help or, we get, we tell ourselves, oh, they're just gonna, you know, do drugs anyway. So what's the what's the what's it worth? So how how do we how do we move past that? Some of the, the those those questions we speak to ourselves internally. When I'm at the stoplight and there's the guy with the sign, trying to get my attention, hoping I'll look his way, and I know not to because if now that we've seen each other, when we see each other now. There's another step I have to take. And so I think in a lot of times we, right, we, we just avoid seeing that person. And then when we do make eye contact and we think about all of the negatives, right? We, we put them in a compartment. We, we say, Hey, he's a homeless person. She's a homeless woman. They probably deserve it. Right. Or they're mentally ill or they're all addicts, which honestly, the truth of the matter is most people, that become homeless aren't homeless because they're addicts. They're not homeless because they're mentally ill. They became addicts and they became mentally ill after being homeless. Right. And, and so just trying to understand those things. And I think we have to adjust our view of how we see people and like in the good Samaritan in Luke 10, right. It's, it's how does the Samaritan see the beaten up, Jewish guy that's on the side of the road? Or how does Jesus see the Samaritan woman at the well? Not less than, 
And we have to get at a point where we surrender ourselves and recognize that we're just as broken and in need of Jesus as that guy holding the, the sign outside of our car window, begging to get our attention. And until we do that, I, I don't know that we really understand how to love our neighbor as ourselves. We have to kind of get over ourselves. It's interesting. We talked about expectations being the marker and then in a sense, managing those expectations as the area of surrender, because that head and that heart debate, um, you know, is is difficult. And and I, I do. I, I would agree with you that in a sense, we we really do have to look at what Jesus has done, you know, even in the Old Testament with Israel over and over and over again. And, and, you know, the, you know, 70 times seven. So, yeah, I mean, that can be a reminder when we get into that, to that second layer of, of, of tension. I'm, I'm really putting myself in this situation. I have this vision of someone listening to this podcast as they pull up to someone with a sign, right? And, and being <laughs> extra convicted by it. But like, I, I'm thinking about this um, in real here's life. Here's my credit cards in my yeah. house. Yeah, here's the keys to my car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jump in, just yeah. take it. Um, yeah. uh, no, no, but I'm, I'm starting to think about how it's always about, I don't have enough time or... I don't want to deal with this. I, 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 or I, maybe if I'm being really honest, I don't want to, I think I'm, I don't even want to look at you because I'm kind of like, I think I'm better than you, even though I wouldn't say that verbally there there's, and it, they're all the wrong questions or perspectives. Like it, it's you're, you're really saying this person has a name, <laughs> this person matters to god um god like you said rob forgave us over and over and like we're, we're telling ourselves the wrong thing in that moment and that's what's really striking me as we're talking through this how do we how do we allow this idea that god is sovereign play into this this debate that we're having this internal tension because you guys you mentioned off air that that you have been working with a lady for 10 years loving her, providing for her, and and nothing, no movement. She was living in a tent with her animals. And in a sense, I was asking, and, and this came up because I was asking, you know, what's the greatest success? And you said, well, one of them was this lady. We got her off the street. We got her out of her tent. But it took a tree falling on her tent and nearly killing her within, I guess, inches, you said, woke her up. And, it, and, and so, and the funny thing about that was I was like, wait, that's an act of God, you know, like, <laughs> You, you couldn't you couldn't make that up. And so, you know, how do we how do we allow for this idea that we may be loving and loving and loving and doing and doing and doing, but in a sense, God has to do the changing. He's saying love others as yourself. Period. No expectation. Right? No, no strings attached. Just love them. It's not, oh, I'll love them as long as they fit in this box or do the things that I want or act a certain way or believe the things I believe or vote for who I vote for, all of those things. He's just saying love your neighbor as yourself, period. 
you know, he goes on and tells tells us later, oh, love your enemies too, right? Like, so the people that hate you and you hate and you don't like and disagree with you, love them too. And he kind of ups the ante on, on all, of, all of it. But it, when you were talking about this, I was, Neil, I, I was thinking when you were laying out these examples, aren't we glad that Jesus didn't see us that way? Aren't we glad that Jesus had time? And Jesus, who left heaven, didn't see us as unworthy or unequal or, right? He, he loved us enough to die for us, enough to die so that we could be reconciled. The other thing I would we, we wrestle with a lot is, what if this was your mother or your daughter? If, if that person that I left at the gas station or that Rob ignored at the lunch hour was your mother, your brother, your sister, your daughter, your son, how would you want him to respond then? How would you want me to respond? You'd be beating on my door, right? Pounding on my desk, demanding that I do better. And I, I think that's the thing for me, just where I, where God has really stretched me and, and I, I pray grown me, is what love looks like is I don't have any expectation. I'm just going to love you. I'm going to get to know your name. I'm going to get to know who you are. I'm not going to try to fix you. I'm not going to try to change you. If if we don't have that that pressure on us that we need to actually change their heart, it may free us up to know that look, ultimately God is in control of their response. I think there's probably people listening that say, "Yeah, but you don't understand my dad or you don't understand my mom or my brother or sister or cousin." or whoever, pick a family member, someone's close, you don't understand what they've done. Like, what what would you say to that person? Maybe that doesn't sway them. How would you wrestle through that issue? So I think that's true. We do have family members hurt us and break trust that we, at some point, man, I'm, I'm loved out. I'm peopled out. I've, I've had enough. I can't do any more. And it's easier for us to love a stranger because there's a degree of separation. We're not as close to it. Um, I, I lost, my wife and I lost a niece um, 10 years ago. Um, she was 23 when she died. Um, she died because she, she had asthma uh, and couldn't catch her breath. And her boyfriend ran into the house to get her inhaler and he didn't come out quick enough. And she died right there. Um, I shared with you guys off air, I, I've struggled with addiction a good chunk of my life. I don't think I'm the only person on planet Earth with those stories. So I, I think we can relate. I would challenge people that say, hey, you don't understand. I would say, I bet I can understand a little bit. And maybe your story is not exactly like mine. Life is hard. Relationships are hard. And oftentimes the hardest relationship we have are with those people that are closest to us. And there, I'm sure you get people who feel convicted about wanting to help out, especially in their local community, and they want to plug in and help the homeless, right? <laughs> but it's I'm um, almost like trying to check a box or something. So what 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 would you say? Because I'm sure you've encountered a lot of those people. We would encourage you to find a an organization in your area that loves homeless people well. 
And rather than you pulling up with your car on a Saturday morning and handing out sandwiches that feed them for a moment, but leave them exactly where they are or handing out blankets or coats, take those resources and give them to an organization that is accountable for them. We account like at our calling, we account for everything, every dollar, every piece of clothing, every item of food that's given to us. We have a system that allows us to build relationship. We, we have a proprietary database that we, we collect information. So we track our conversations with people. We were able to measure progress. All of that to, to add a level of accountability and to steward those resources that people give us with excellence and with integrity, right? We want you to know that if you donate something to us, it's going to be used for the best possible purpose. Find an organization like that in your area. You can do that. We have an app, right, that uh, people can go. Like They could go to our website, download the app. Uh, we have people in Canada that report homeless people. We're not going to drive to Canada, um, but we we can connect you with people in that area or organizations in that area or your area that can make a difference in that person, right? Because again, the transaction is momentary. That relationship is for a lifetime. I think a lot of people instantly when they get this, I need to be doing more in my community. They think about like the the food pantry, the you know the mission, the local mission, or homeless. Some it's always related to that. Someone off the street, and I started considering I, I, the other day. I was actually happened to look at all the different local ministries we we had or we have in Chattanooga area, and thinking through it, and a, a thought occurred to me about of how has God wired you and what excites you in that mission too. Um, I actually enjoy encountering people on the street and having those conversations because they feel really raw. When I thought about it further, so I played soccer, I coached soccer, thinking about coaching underprivileged kids, giving them a chance, boosting them up and talking to them about Christ actually started to make my heart like jump, jump more. How do you think our calling and kind of loving ourselves and that helps to love others um do you do you think there's a connection or am i am i am i making too much of that no i i think part of what is god's will for your life is what's he stirring in your heart to do right and if if like in your instance you're you're saying hey i i was thinking of, about homeless people and people that are lacking resources how do i actually intercede in their life in a way that's loving and beneficial that does more than just make sure that they have a clean shirt to wear today and a sandwich, right? You're saying, hey, how do I come alongside people? That's exactly what we're saying is I can't begin to start to have a conversation about you trusting in Jesus without relationship. And that relationship starts with me loving you well, no expectation. Also is fueled by me being over abundantly filled with forgiveness, gratitude, and grace. Because I'm going to have to give you a lot of space initially, right? When we enter this relationship, I can't be bothered that you called me 50 words I had to go look up, right? Because 
I didn't know those words went together like that. I, I've got to get past your reaction. I've got to get past all these things. I have to come alongside you. Again, it's what Jesus is saying to us, right? He's saying, follow me. He's saying, come alongside me. Let me show you some stuff. You won't believe what I'm going to show you, right? You're, you're not going to believe what you see. You're not going to believe the life transformation that occurs and the miracles that happen. And I think for us, we can be everyday miracles in people's lives, but we have to, we have to care. We have to stop. We have to get out of ourselves, right? We have to surrender. What does it mean to do the will of God? It means I have to surrender my own will. It's secondary. And I have to, I have to go through my day. I have to approach my day by looking at it from a perspective of, God, what would you have me do today? And open my eyes and open my heart. And I think that's a great answer. Rob, as we're coming to a close, what, how has this stirred you? Because he, you know, there's kind of something going on here of him living a daily day to day. And we're, we're kind of, it's stirring up thoughts for me. So what, what, are, what are your thoughts as we're, I think the thing that's really hitting me is, is, is listening to what the spirit is, is showing you in the moment and, and being open to being used and that loving, you know, in this particular situation may mean sacrificing um, a little bit of, of energy or, or honestly, potentially even sacrificing a little bit of safety um, to, to be willing to just listen. If, if you hear God, you know, stirring a specific response to a specific person. Um, and I think it's just, it's open to, it's, it's being open to that. And, and I think that does involve, you know, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, you, you mentioned, um, you know, time. If you're filling up every spare moment, then, you know, you don't have the time to to see who's around you and what their needs are. And you don't have the time to listen to what, what Jesus may be asking you to do. Yeah. And to, to that point, Rob, is if I don't leave any margins to love people I don't know very well, I wonder how well I'm loving the people that are closest to me. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. So I, I think I'm hearing take, make time when you do take the time, invest it and invest it and, and come alongside people. And usually there's things that God's stirring our hearts to, to be willing to invest because we're really selfish people, right? It takes even tapping into things that we, we enjoy. Um, but well, Hey, hey uh, Reiner, it's been, it's been a pleasure having you on. You, you've certainly made me think about some things about this topic. I hope others are, are um, you know, made made them think too. So um, I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and being a part of the discussion. Yeah, this has been a great conversation, Reiner. I appreciate you uh, spending some time with us tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been an honor and a, and a, and a joy. Thanks for joining us for another episode of A World Intention.